Hello, everyone. Welcome to What is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry. My name is Dr. Michael David Clay. Uh, you get what you give. Uh, what goes around comes around. Um, karma. People seem to believe as much in karma as they do science. Now, I'm not saying that science is, is always reality. Uh, there's bad science out there that's built or constructed of opinions. Uh, and everybody's got one of those, an opinion, that is. Uh, at the same time, though, uh, karma may not have, I don't think it does, any sort of empirical basis at all. Um, maybe I should correct that. Obviously, there's evidence of something, but I'm not sure it's exactly what people mean when they say karma. Uh, seemingly so, when I hear someone speaking of karma, what they are really trying to say, or what they are saying, is that when you treat someone a particular way, when you conduct yourself in a particular fashion, uh, when you direct your life by certain standards, you're going to get what you give. Now, again, that's why I kind of checked myself a moment ago. Uh, I do think there's some reality. There's some evidence of that. But I don't know that it's anything more or less than we sort of make what we get. Um, I don't know. Karma sort of sounds like there's some sort of force out there that is bringing back to you all the evil that you've somehow distributed, that you've somehow contributed, <laughs> that you've somehow participated in, in life, and that that in and of itself can alter and change reality. Science. <laughs> That's bad science, if it's science at all. It is empirical in the sense that there's some evidence and that's a theory, right? But it may not be an accurate theory. You may, ha may have to reject that hypothesis. So what I would tend to believe, <laughs> which is also an opinion... But it is based in what I also am convinced is the most accurate, factual, data-based paradigm, way of looking at, way of operating, basis for operating in life, reality that there is. <laughs> That's the Word of God. The Word of God does not speak of karma. It speaks of things similar to karma, karma being, again, a theory. The Word of God being more than a theory, it is, again, a paradigm. Paradigms can begin with theories, at least in human terms, when we go to discover, identify, research, uh, try to find out what really is going on, you have to begin with a level of understanding and awareness. And if it's still unidentifiable, what's going on, or undiscernible, if that's the right way to pronounce that or the right word to use, you can't see it yet, you don't really know it yet, you have to sort of begin with a theory. So I don't want to discount karma entirely because it is based on, again, some evidence. It's evidentiary. But the hypothesis is flawed in this sense. Reality is things happen. I do not know for sure if it is always measured by entirely me, what I do. Um, presumption therein being that I have a part in it, sometimes more, sometimes less. But I am certainly not alone. 
there's a lot of other parts. There's a lot of others that contribute to reality. In that way, it's constructive. In that way, there is something that we have to say about it, reality, what actually even occurs. Uh, word is very clear. We can move mountains with faith. Literally, and if you want to look at that more speaking to the spiritual, spiritually, materially as well as spiritually. But at the same time, though, I can't move a mountain alone. Uh, two or more are gathered together, as Jesus says, in my name, there shall I be in the midst of them, and whatever they shall agree upon as touching anything, that's what happens. Jesus promises it will happen. Now, I'd like to believe that that's, again, all about good things, not bad things. But I have to acknowledge, if you're not in Jesus, if you're not doing that according to the word, there's a certain power and prowess that our human dimension may have. <laughs> Hence, the Old Testament Tower of Babel. Enough of them got together to build a tower. God had to confound them in some measure, manner, or way so that they could not be in that togetherness and neutralized their prowess and power. And that he did through different languages. That's the point of all of the different languages in the world, at least according to the biblical narrative. Word. But what does that have to do with karma? What well, has everything to do with karma in the sense that I can't do it singularly, or at least the fallacy in karma. But what I can do is I can contribute my part. Now, as things magnify, as there's more parts, as those parts believe in a similar manner or way, I do believe that we can change what we get. And probably in some measure, create somewhat of a force, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's out there. It doesn't have to be a reality. It may not even be a reality at all, except that we would all think it is. And with that, highlights the power of hypotheses or belief. And it also probably underscores the fact that all revelation of truth begins at least with some element of, of hypotheses, theory. But the theory has to be tested. It has to be, in many ways, explored through actual challenge, further refined. The exploration includes a refinement that ensues based on challenge. Test it. Replicate it. Validate it. Make sure it's reliable before you believe it. But what happens when, unfortunately, we and our human power and prowess to create, and we were, as the word would suggest, formed, created, in the image of God, and God is a God of creativity. But once more, the word, Old and New Testament paradigm, has an intention end, which is not necessarily you get what you give. It is true you get what you believe. It's not true that you get what you give, except that it somehow, as a reality, defines you in some measure or way so much that you, at least in a natural regard, continue to live by a creed, a belief system that really ultimately is your own self-condemnation. You set yourself up for failure 
Now, that may sound a little confusing, and, and I think it is to the extent or degree we're talking about two dimensions, two realities here. We're certainly talking about material dimension where that power and prowess in a human regard gets its greatest traction. But even then, it doesn't trump or, or supersede the supernatural. And in the supernatural, in the end, all you get is what you create of your life and what you believe along the way and what you find then at the end of your life. You too, in the same way God has and does and will always, know the end from the beginning. Not necessarily that you will know all that the future holds <laughs> along the way. Again, those are, that's the data. That's the facts. But you get to, to decide what you get in the end. And if you're bound enough, if you've got enough support that when the realities that there is an alternative, another way, God's way, should come up against your way, what you think, what in your mind, out of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, so to speak, what you think reality should be, those people sort of in agreement with you are complicit. They're not only complicit to your self-destruction, they're complicit to their own because <laughs> they believe like you. And if all you expect to get is bad, worse, awful, horrible, you're going to get it. If what you expect to believe is good, if it aligns with God's word, if it is according to his proclamation, decree, not hypothesis, God is up there, not up there in heaven or wherever, wherever heaven might be, uh, saying, well, I really don't know how this is going to turn out, but I hope it turns out well. No, that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is belief dictates your life. So much so you, so you could take the facts and the data of life and interpret them within a context of a hypothesis, a belief that ultimately creates what you think life is. But only as long as you're within yourself and you've got somebody to agree with you. As long as you're in yourself, which is human, and you've got other humans to support it. In the end, the supernatural always wins, and the supernatural is intentioned, certainly toward creativity. That's one and the same. But the intention is always something better. So much so that it's not a, I hope it will, it's a fact that it does. When we accept the God paradigm, word, Old and New Testament, and use it as the template for, it is empiricism validated, reliable, empiricism being a process but it's based on a paradigm, a set of definitions that really don't change. If God says it will be, it will be. It's not up to us to define it. God has thus in Old and New Testament defined it. We can only define it by what we know. Unfortunately, when we come to the formation of even self, more so the way we look at life, or you want to reverse that, the way we look at life, even more so the self, we don't know much. Most of us have an operational paradigm, a way of doing life by the time we hit our teens. That's somewhat co-opted 
socialization, psychosocial, by how we're brought up, what our parents knew, what our parents teach us, how we, in observation, see them contending with life. Two or more gathered together, in this case, not in the name of Jesus, or even if it is in the name of Jesus, it's not based on God paradigm. It's not based on God word. Why? Because it does not have a win at the end of it. You leave childhood, adolescence with a personality. Once that's established, and most in my industry, what I do for a living, psychological counseling, I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor, would agree once personality is established, it is very difficult to modify, hard to change it, which is why the word would say, bring up your children in the way of the Lord. You may not be perfect in application of the paradigm, but you can have a complete and perfect paradigm. It is the only way to success. If you begin with it, apply it throughout your life, the course of your life, you're going to have the expected end of something good, a win. If you are astray, if you are lost, if you do not know the Old and New Testament, if you do not know the God paradigm, then whatever you create is going to be inferior if superiority in terms of paradigms, ways of living life, is to win, you're going to fall short of that. The mark, the glory of God, the highest of callings, you're going to fall short of that, and you will be teaching your child the lesser. Now, can they learn it? Yes. What does it take? Something along the way if not brought up in the way of the Lord, it takes something along the way to destroy our paradigm. And it feels like it's going to destroy us, our personality. That's who we are. That's really our identity. That's really our human dimension of soul and spirit is our personality. But you have to die that has to be somehow dismantled, deconstructed, broken down, and the theory tested. I said that earlier, challenged. Empiricism is an evidentiary, again, great word, isn't it? Process, I like saying it. But the realities don't change. The conclusion of all evidentiary pursuits, all empiricism, all theories, all models would be the word of God. It has been constructed itself over generations from the beginning of all humankind to today. It is not a fly-by-night. It is not temporal. It is not time-based in the sense that it's within any human dimension or scope of a lifetime of study. If you're lost, then you're going to get the best that you could even come up with, which is going to be inferior because you're not going to be around long enough. You're not going to be able to run enough studies. You're not going to be able to have opportunities to see everything there is to see in a natural regard to add that to the data. That's why God gave us his word. We can learn that. We can borrow from that. We can teach that. The Old Testament is sound. It is the end of all human theory when it comes to, get this, a scientific of scientific terms, Adaptability, which just means 
it brings life. Everything else is going to kill you. That's the word of God. You can say, well, I've said it on the program, the podcast. You're going to die anyhow, so that doesn't work. No, it works because within the God paradigm, yes, the flesh dies, but much like creativity in general, much like what I was mentioning earlier, it's going to take the ultimate decomposition of you, deconstruction of you, so that you can be something different. And if the word says, God's word, it will always be a better thing, it will always be adaptive, it will always guide toward not life, present tense, but more life, present tense, as well as different, creative, newness of life, future tense, you can't lose. Agree upon that. Get the support. The problem is we don't teach the Word of God. We don't bring up our children in the Word. We don't appreciate this in the context that I'm trying to present it, this notion, this awareness, this discernment, this understanding. We're going to to build a world based on certainly data and facts because those don't change. Situations and circumstances continue to happen. It's not going to be what we're given. It's going to be what we make of it. Our interpretation of it being central to what we get when we are creating. So, there is something to karma because it is, again, somewhat, there's evidence, it is somewhat applicable, but it's an immature thought. It only takes into account human dimension. And even then, I don't believe, unless we would choose to believe, and then surround us with people who believe like manner, like way, that God doesn't still have an opportunity to introduce the supernatural. Maybe, I don't know is why I say that, it comes through some sort of portal. There's ladders between heaven and earth. At least that was the way that it's captured by, in the Old Testament by Israel. Isaac, Jacob, Jacob's ladder. The notion, however, is that it could also be that the ladder extending to heaven where we believe the supernatural lies, where we believe all resources for life proceed forth from, it's possible that that isn't only in heaven. I don't doubt that. I think in a very practical, pragmatic way, if it were all a matter of entropy, <laughs> it'd all grind down to neutrality. And there really is no energy in neutrality. You have to have differences of something to create energy. You have to have some up to the down or some down corresponding to the up in natural regard for there to be any sort of energy. Conservation of energy, if it's really conserved in the sense that it's a closed system, it's not going to produce something new. It's going to eventually neutralize. That's called inertia. Things don't move when they're inert. The energy for life has to be at some level reintroduced. It could be as Jacob saw it from heaven, as with a ladder and angels bringing resources down and lifting things back up. Obviously, there is a connection between the natural and the supernatural as much where he was, where humanity was at the time, we could comprehend it, conceive of it. 
But it's also entirely possible that heaven is already within you. You just don't know it. And by the time you get to a point where in a material way you could even begin to comprehend it, it's too late. You've been corrupted. All the things that are going on in the world, all the things that people look at and say, that's just karma. You must have done something to get something that bad. You could also say bad luck. Ah, that's pretty bad luck. But you get what you give. And with that, you could accept. Well, there's obviously going to be, in fact, with data, downs to our ups. That's how the natural works. Ups to our downs. That's how the natural works. But even if you're going to make it from and down to the next up in a natural regard, lest the whole thing come to a grinding halt of neutrality, there be no life. You've got to believe enough in the up or you'll just live in the down. And the down is not just at a set point down, it goes lower. Do you like how I did that? It goes lower. If I could go lower, I would go lower to capture it. You start believing in negative things, you give off a bad vibe. More than that, though, you begin to interpret all data, all facts, in a negative paradigm, a negative perspective, worldview, where your expectations are, oh, there's going to be more bad things. I just know it. And it's true. I think that's why I had to kind of go off my initial point. There's some reality to karma. But again, you're the one that defines it. If you expect bad things, you're going to get bad things. But it doesn't mean that there's forces out there necessarily that are going to be bringing bad things to you. And certainly there's a superior force, when we mentioned superior and inferior earlier, that says, no, I don't want bad things for you. I want good things for you. <laughs> I promise you the end. If you will believe this from the beginning, or as soon along the way as you can, there'll be good things that happen. So much so, I will give all provisions from heaven. If there is that interjection, injection of energy, into a natural regard from supernatural dimensions. And Jacob was seeing it. Israel, Jacob, was seeing it at Peniel. Angels coming up and down the ladder. It would be that God would be distributing that through some natural means to keep life going, sustain life. And that's great. But it may also be that he is giving us life from within. We have, if you believe this, the power of life within us. To proceed out of us. Jesus did say that. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Life. Out of the throne of God, there is a stream, a river of life. And along its banks are lined the tree of life. Good fruit for all seasons. But if you do not claim that, albeit as much it is in you from the very start, life the power of life, all that stuff that happens along the way before you realize it, 
will cause you to believe a false narrative. A corrupted paradigm. It will only come from the knowledge in your mind. The tree of life. Not life, but good and evil. It will not proceed from the tree of life. Let me make sure I'm clear on that. It proceeds from the knowledge of good and evil. And there will be a force, Satan, the synagogue of Satan, the devil, that will be there to tempt you. They will be there because they've partaken of that fruit, trying to convince you, ah, it's all bad. Nothing good's going to come out of it. You're right. Look at the evidence. Empirically so, there's always going to be something bad that's going to happen. But you know, if you get so caught up in that paradigm and you don't even recognize the power of life in you from the tree of life, the Holy Spirit within you, you're not even going to look for the Holy Spirit. You're not even going, you're going to be so lost, the shroud of darkness, so thick that you won't even recognize it. Him, the power being it in you. I want to go back and correct. I'm not sure that Jacob was at Peniel when he saw the ladder. Nonetheless, it was at Peniel where it was challenged the most because what he did see at Peniel was Esau. And he knew something bad was up. All of the things that had gone into him receiving the birthright was coming back on him. And karma would have dictated he would have deserved what he got. And truthfully, Esau, in a physical sort of dimension, talk about power and prowess, was much more capable of subduing Jacob than Jacob was of Esau. I don't know that Jacob was smarter. I don't think that was it, though he had a good brain. The one thing he was, though, that Esau wasn't, he was more inclined to God. And he was not willing to give up his birthright for a bowl of soup, pottage. So was it legit? Supposing it was in this sense. Even as Jacob sort of stole the birthright from Esau through some element of trickery, Esau knew exactly what that was all about. Esau lived in a moment. Esau lived moment by moment. Esau knew what it was like to be hungry. Esau also had taken upon himself to be the one who otherwise took care of all his physical needs. He didn't trust or rely upon much of anyone else except himself. If the Edomites, if God truly hated the Edomites, it would have been probably for that reason. They weren't trusting in him. But as much Jacob had nothing but that to trust in, and the promise of his mother that this was the right thing to do, encouragement, two or more gathered together, they pulled it off. Then he took off. And then in coming back, he had to face his brother. 
But if there's anything to be said for Esau and Jacob and whether Jacob would have done the same thing Esau did in giving up his birthright, it would have been proven, validated then. At that moment, I do know this for a fact, Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord. It was important that in his flesh, the word of God, the God paradigm, the supernatural dimension had superiority over the human dimension. Because Jacob could have ran away. He could have went back to where he was coming from. He would have not had to face Esau and, in effect, would have given up his birthright. How did God know? (laughs) Because, again, it's not out of our strength, which, again, maybe what I'm saying about Esau is he was prideful. But it's out of infirmity. And even if there's a bit of trickery that goes along with it, if it means that we're in submission to the truth, the reality of God, adaptability, the end result, we can beat the adversary, we can beat Satan, we can beat the devil through faith. Once more, faith to move a mountain, remove a mountain. Be ye cast into the sea. Even as <laughs> Jacob's infirmity, his inferiority in a natural regard was more than proven to him. Nonetheless, because he knew who to grab a hold of, who to wrestle with, who to fight with, He knew in an empirical way what the lost do not know. (laughs) They run from it. If there is a force working against you or will bring to you what you give to the world, it is all those others who believe like you (laughs) and put together make up the body of not Christ, but Satan, the devil. But in that, you can't run from God. There is, in that same way of the Tower of Babel, going to be something along the way that's going to confound you, even break you. And whether you wait until the end of your life to establish that truth, that your body is going to die, that you have a chance, a choice in God's paradigm to participate even as much as is only in the natural, that you would have to give anything of that measure for the sake of creativity and more life. You would do it willingly, by choice. You would face Esau. David faced the giant. You're going to face Satan and all the myths that he would throw your way, the misinterpretations, the lesser theories and models. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you will die. No, your flesh will perish because it's just the way it happens in material regard. It's part of creativity. It's how energy, I said earlier, things are up, things are down, things come and things go. If there is a conservation of energy as element of that, we see it in that. The matter is there, but it isn't alive. But in that way, energy is not created or destroyed. It just changes shape and form. That is reality. I believe Einstein said that. That's truth. I don't doubt that. But there's a far superior truth. There's more to the paradigm. Einstein only could speak of the physical dimensions. He was smart enough not to talk too much about the supernatural. Or if he did, 
he was also enough of an empiricist, a scientist, to know he had no material facts to support that except what otherwise would be measurable, certainly for us. I don't know about him. I think he was a believer in God. Might stand corrected on that, but everything that I recall having learned about Albert Einstein was he didn't have any problem with the supernatural. It's just hard to argue that. Especially if you're talking to a group of people who are brain dead or in their brains have come to death. They have no life in them anymore. The Holy Spirit that was designed to come from within, the power and prowess of life, the tree of life, is not within them. The resource for life supernaturally comes from within us as much from outside us. Now, as we share one another, we get back to that passage that I mentioned earlier, where two or more are gathered together in my name, Jesus says, there's life. What we agree upon, he'll give it to us. We agree upon life. It brings life. It's not karma, though. We don't create it. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, though, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, through the model, the paradigm in human definition that Christ brings to such the point of argument that even Albert Einstein could not argue, we see it. Now, why could Einstein not really argue it? He could testify to it. And really, in some ways, concurrent validity is sound. If enough people testify to it, there's a good chance it is a reality. But even so, that's all measured naturally. The one thing Einstein couldn't do, though, was come back from the dead. To testify in a natural way of supernatural things. Yes, there may be a ladder from heaven to earth. Things go up, things come down. I believe that's probably true. We might call it something different today versus the language and terms that Jacob used, wherever it was he saw that, whatever encampment. But it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. But what Jacob even himself could not see and had to operate with courage and faith in was that though it looked like it was going to kill him, Esau did not. And long before Jacob came to that realization, God had already moved upon Esau in his heart to forgive him. That was not by power or might, as again from the word, that was by the Holy Spirit. Thus saith the Lord. Jacob operated within context of Esau's operating with con within context of the Holy Spirit. He was not prideful. He'd been humbled. And even so, as he humbled himself before Esau, that was not the trigger. God had already moved again upon Esau. Love overcomes fear. There is no fear in love. God's supernatural power and prowess, whether it is within us or outside of us, always wins over evil. We and our flesh cannot comprehend it because there are bad things that happen to good people. And if enough bad things happen, somebody along the way is going to become disillusioned and embittered. And they're not going to face the enemy. They're not going to go against the rest of us who have been hurt in the same way, many of which have fallen short, given up on love. People let you down. People hurt you. 
People lie to you. Things don't happen the way you want them to. But they happen the way God needs them to and supposing wants them to. But it's never to our death and it's never to anything lesser than the best. It just seems in natural regard to not be part of the plan. And it may cause you to stop for a moment and have your mind blown. (laughs) It's an old saying. The paradigm is deconstructed. If it's naturalistic, it's going to go the way of the natural. It will have a creative dimension even in itself, the way we think and see and interact with life around us, that way that we define our reality, we interpret the data and facts. If we continue to mature and grow, we will come to the same conclusion that the Old and New Testament over generations has come to. You just learn it early on, and it's not such a reconciliation. You practice it early on. You're taught it. You read it. You study it. You practice it. And then it's not a big bump along the way. There'll be bumps. It increases your faith. There'll be times that you kind of are going to go the way of the natural and want just a break. I just don't want to face it right now. And that's okay. God understands. But to really be an overcomer, that has to shine forth even as the new Jerusalem with the river of living water. But that's the out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. It is in you. I don't know that it only comes to you as you have accepted Jesus as much as as you have accepted Jesus, it's revealed unto you. He's been there all along. You've just forsaken him. The devil's just convinced you that nothing good comes out of material life. And as much as the evidence is there, if you believe it enough, you're going to get that in the end. And if you believe it even more so, you could live in darkness, never knowing the light. So that when you, in this world, in bodily death, which is a certainty, you will have nothing that's going to help you in your humanity, make the transition. At that moment, truly and thankfully, everything that is you, that is human, is gone. You are assimilated into the Holy Spirit as in the Spirit of Christ, as in when Jesus did come back from the dead to testify. That's what they saw. Yes, He had a body, a resurrected body that looked like the Jesus (laughs) that was crucified. I'm not sure that that was the end or will be our resurrected body, but it was necessary that they know who he was because they were still in flesh. That was all part of God's assistance to them, the disciples, those that saw Jesus, and even so today, because they had that experience, we can enjoy that. Although we don't see Christ in those dimensions, we have a better testimony, testament, in that now we have the Holy Spirit alive within us. What is the evidence of that power and prowess? It's love. If you're afraid... If you get defensive, if you don't trust life, or if you're expecting the worst, you become cynical, you become negative, you're going to create that not only during your life, but as some great grand finale of pronouncement, judgment, that's what you're going to get. And with integrity, that's what you're going to be known for. Where is your name going to be written? Certainly not in the Lamb's Book of Life, because you had nothing to do with that. You chose death over life. And for all you know, all the hell, though it is not the in dimension of all the hell, 
that you will one day know as you are shut up forever eternally with the devil and all those who believe who are gathered together not in the name of the Lord but in the name of Satan have come against you all having fed off of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and rebuking the tree of life, they have an incomplete paradigm and they only can get what naturally comes. But that's why the tree of life was in the garden. Because God wants us to win. It's not only karma, and if it is karma, then good luck. And if it's a matter of luck, you got none. You need in faith to have wrestled with the angel of the Lord yourself, so much so you know where your birthright lies, so much so that you can face the enemy that is ahead, so much so that you can have victory over the devil. Now, some would say it's just a psychological thing then. After all, Dave, that's what you do for a living. No, it's not. That's why I had to say it was in your heart. Because I can try to trick people all I want. I can try to agree with people in the flesh. I could say it's a matter of positive thinking. It's a matter of not judging yourself too harshly or criticizing yourself too much, give yourself a break. I could say it's just a matter of learning, all of which could translate to self-esteem. I could say it was how you were brought up. I could say it's who you married. I could say, sorry. I could say it's where you hang out. I could say it's your church. I could say it's the president. I could say it's the Senate. I could say it's the Congress. I could say it's mayors and, and governors and politics. I could say it's neighbors. And there will all be some of that. But in the end, we know there is only but one, and that is Jesus Christ. And if you do not make him the gospel of Jesus Christ center to Old and New Testament, you can't just live in the Old Testament, but you also can't throw it out. It is the rules that govern the natural life. They are. It is. The Old Testament, the Ten Commandments are the rules, the definitions for life and natural life. All of the paradigm of death, all that happened in the garden, all the sin, all that we see, the iniquity and sin manifest in us that establishes us as lost without Jesus Christ has to be there. You can come to Jesus in faith. You can be saved by recognizing this is who I want to be. But to be Christ, you have to have all of that. And yes, it's in you through the Holy Spirit. And the minute you accept Jesus Christ, you are saved because you've turned your life over to the Holy Spirit in you. But lest the battle wage or be waged or rage within you, that we see raging around us the forces of good and evil, so to speak, biblically so in the world today, throughout your life, you need to go back and backfill with all of that great empirical evidentiary knowledge that's valid and reliable so that you would know from the beginning, or as soon as you could along the way, what you want the end to be so it can become that. It's all a challenge, but not to destroy you, but to grow you, to mature you, to develop, to sanctify. But not of yourself, but of Christ in you and the Holy Spirit. That's the only thing that's going to save you. I will agree with you. I will do everything I can, if I must, to educate you in the Old Testament. Or at least point out the highlights, the paradigm. You're lost. We're all lost. We need a Savior. But unless you accept Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, for the sake of changing your thoughts... Dying 
<laughs> having your mind blown. The paradigm deconstructed. The lesser, the inferior, the humanistic. That's the way to describe it. The humanistic paradigm destroyed. You're not going to recognize the Holy Spirit alive in you. You're not going to turn your life over to the Holy Spirit already resident in you. God did not forsake you. You've forsaken him. He's not disappeared. He's not hiding out. He's not in heaven somewhere where you need a ladder. He's in your heart. But you got to get your head aligned, not only with the Old Testament, but so much so that you die in the Old Testament to yourself so that the new life that's available in Christ Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the New Testament can take over. It's all about dying to self so that Christ may be resurrected within you. And the promise, again, even... With Albert, I laugh because where did Albert Einstein come up in this conversation? How did he get there? I'll have to figure that out after it's over. He could not see. Maybe he's, maybe I also hold him up as one of the, the best icons of human thought. That's probably it. You're not going to figure it out without God without an awareness of the need for Jesus Christ, without knowing that you're lost and that the way humans think, certainly under the manipulation of Satan and then all those that will be with him in hell and you, unfortunately, if you don't believe in Jesus, I have to say that. That's the reality. They're going to take you down with them. But if you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have the promise of not only a good life, naturally, Holy Spirit, heaven within you, as well as around you. You will become one with Christ so that one day when the natural is over, <laughs> you just go on to be with God. In spirit, because you're already one with God in spirit through Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. You've already had time in a natural context even to allow the Holy Spirit to have dominion over your life. What is it then when the body passes on? You're no longer flesh, you're spirit and Holy Spirit. We need Jesus. You need Jesus. I'm not Albert Einstein, you can tell. <laughs> You're probably not either. But even though you may hold yourself out to be principled in science and empiricism, and you're done with fairies and, and uh, fairy tales and fables, fairies too, fairy tales and fables, myths, oh, it's just childhood stuff. At least when you were a child, you were innocent enough to believe in something more than what's in your head. And I can guarantee you right now, your head has been filled with garbage. If it's humanistic, if it's to the discount of the supernatural, if it discredits Jesus, if it speaks against Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as all humankind's salvation comes through Jesus. I want to help you. I do these podcasts with that in mind. I want to help you psychologically with counseling, if that's an aid. More than that, though, I want to help you if you need guidance and direction in a pastoral context. I don't have a church. <laughs> you may say, good. <laughs> I wouldn't come to it. You may also say, oh, well, you know, it sounds like it. But if I do have a church, if I have a calling, I want to be the church of Christ, not the denomination, but the body of Christ. <laughs> Jesus did not have a formal church, but he ministered to the body. 
I want to be Christ-like in all I can be. And when I can't do it out of my flesh, I want the Holy Spirit to take over my life or remain in control of my life. I say take over because it seems like I'm constantly having to give it to him. But I want to do that. And should you come see me, I will do that. I will ask you to do that. You don't want to hear about Jesus. I'm not going to then offend you. But I'm going to continue to minister to you out of the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit in you, even as you're lost. That's why I also say the Holy Spirit's been there all along. Even as you're lost, he's going to work for us, for God, to the end that you want it to be something good, more life, adaptive. He's going to do it from the inside. You can't stop him unless you deny him. Don't deny him. And certainly don't deny Jesus. Should you want to get a hold of me, the email address is posted. Should you want to join us again on the next podcast, I'd like to invite you back. You're always welcome on what is Covenant's Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry. And again, my name is Dr. Michael David Clay. Thanks.